Merry Christmas. You know, there's something about Christmas and baked goods that all go together, and I've got to tell you, I love no-bake cookies. You know, oatmeal and cocoa, peanut butter, put them on the stovetop, melt the butter and the sugar, and mix it all together, and then spoon it out one dollop at a time onto the wax paper. They are, without a doubt, my number one favorite cookie. I love these cookies. I have even been known to doctor the recipe down to two servings because I know if I make an entire batch I will eat them myself and so two batches two cookies spoon them out and enjoy I also love baseball and I am uh, unfortunately uh, what's the word a frustrated Orioles fan because see this is going to date me, but the last time the Orioles won the World Series was three months before I was born. But over the years, I have played baseball, then I started coaching baseball, and now as a parent, I am coaching my girls in t-ball softball. And speaking of my girls, I love my girls as well. Nothing is as much fun as spending time with the two of them, playing and seeing life through the eyes of four and six-year-olds. And if I'm going to mention my girls and how much I love them, I must also mention how much I love my wife. And you see, soon after we got reconnected, by the time we got engaged, that first Christmas we actually spent together, there was something that season that took me back to the true meaning of Christmas. That got me back to what giving a gift really truly means because up until that point I was still in graduate school while we were engaged and you know these things called exams and for me and the schools that I went to from middle school through high school and college exams came right before Christmas break and so you're studying and working hard and the kind of student I was tried to make it appear as though I was better than I maybe actually was which meant come exam time, I had to work pretty hard. And so you get to the end of exams, you're tired and you're exhausted, and then it's just a few days till Christmas. And so connecting our lives, our lives together, my wife and I, that first Christmas together, she helped me see what the true meaning of Christmas was again. And I love her. Now what you see there is an example of what for a non-English speaker makes English just so hard to deal with. Love comes in so many different shapes and sizes and forms and expressions. How do I say I love cookie and I love my wife and use the same word? So what does it mean? You know, one of the things that I love to say about the life of Jesus is that he did things in kind of an upside-down, backwards, flip-the-expectation-on-its-head kind of way. And he did that throughout his life. In the stories that he taught, in the lessons that he told and shared, how he lived his life alongside people. And I want to look back briefly tonight at one of those teaching moments that he had. But it wasn't like a, a teacher lecturing students. He had this unique style about him. And so he was with these teachers and religious leaders one day. And in that time, 
the law was a big deal. There were a lot of rules and there was structure and everything was well-defined and had its place. And there was a lot of information. And so these religious leaders weren't just someone to have an experience like this together, but they had to also be experts to know the ins and outs of every one of these rules and regulations. And Jesus wasn't like them. Everything that they had expected, he was different than what they expected. And so he's with some of these religious leaders from one particular group one day. And this line comes up. And he has this debate with them about the laws, about the rules. And see, they had rules even down to family. What family was. And if a man or woman became a widower or widow, what were the rules about how they could and who they should and could remarry? They had rules about all of this. And then Jesus came to earth talking about heaven. So he said, oh, you know what? We're going to get him now. We are going to get him on this point right now because these two cannot possibly... If you go to heaven and you've had been married to two different people... Who are you going to be married to in heaven? So they thought that they had tricked him. And so they asked him this question and he said, you've got it all wrong. You're thinking in this small little box and it's much bigger than that. And they just kind of sheepishly ended that conversation right there. So that was one group of religious leaders. And then another group of a different segment of religious leaders decided... This is the line. One of them tried to trap him with this question. So they had seen it done, and they said, you know what? We're going to do it again. And here was their question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? See, again, the law, the commands, all of these rules and regulations that they were tied to, they were expected to fall in line with. And he said, here's my answer. Jesus replied, two things. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Is there anything else? Love the Lord your God with all that you are. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So these rules, these laws, these regulations... And Jesus says, it's not what you're expecting. It's really about love. And so we're here tonight at the end of a season of getting ready for Christmas. And we're at the end of this season where we here at Nexus have talked about hope and peace and joy. And how we can find them and how they aren't exactly what we expect sometimes. But tonight we focus on love. And this isn't just love of cookie. This isn't just love of a spouse. It's just like the ancient Greeks, whose language the original scriptures were in. They had so many words for this love. It was bigger than any law or rule or regulation. It was about more than self. It was about you over me. And that's where this second command comes in. Love God. I can understand that, but love my neighbor as myself? 
And so here we are in this posture of putting others ahead of ourselves. It's not what we expect. It's not the rule and it's not the regulation. It's putting someone ahead of ourselves. When they least expect it, it's making them more important than me. And so as we celebrate Christmas together, let's find where that love is practiced and lived out in that first Christmas story. Now we've heard it, and you may heard it, hear it again. We have this Christmas tradition where we sit and we read these few verses to reflect on the story. And you may do that tonight. And what I want to do as we read it one time here together. These verses from Luke come from a writer who lived and he saw Jesus alive on earth. But Luke was a doctor. And so Luke had some knowledge in his head, and he wanted to put a different kind of perspective on what he wrote. So his account begins with a little bit of history in putting the place together. So we start in Luke chapter 2, verse 1. It's on the screen behind me as we read together. At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. What do Augustus and Quirinius have to do with anything? But see, Luke knew what he was doing in writing this down because it puts this in a time and a place where it helps us to understand as we go to some scholars and begin to understand what was happening in that time. Unlike the nativity scene that you may sometimes see, this was not a peaceful time or a peaceful place. The Middle East has been struggling with peace for so, so long. And this time was not much different. And this census was about power. It was about structure. It was about a leader who was in charge and wanted to have a census because with that census, he could charge more taxes. And with more taxes... He could gain more for himself and continue to elevate his position higher and higher up the ladder. And so that's the world that this story begins in. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. Now, the census wasn't only about taxation. It was also a draft to the military. But for Joseph, being a Jew, which we read here as being part of a descendant of King David, he was not part of the draft. But you can imagine, a draft and taxation does not make a nice Christmas story like we sometimes think about. So he traveled there, Joseph, from the village of Nazareth in Galilee, He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who is now expecting a child. So they're journeying into this tense situation with a census and lots of people all going to where they came from and where they were born and where their ancestors were from. And he's taking his very, very pregnant wife. If you've ever journeyed with a pregnant woman, you don't take a trip at the last moment. 
especially to another town or another place. They don't even let you travel to other countries sometimes at the last moment. One, because travel is a challenge, but two, there's that whole birthright thing that comes with where you were born. And so all of this is going on at the moment. But then it happens. In the midst of all of this chaos, in the midst of all this power struggle about a census and a draft and taxation, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, and she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging for them. Like the reading said a few minutes ago, he spent his first night, not this power elite person born into a palace with a crown, but spending his first night in a barn, in a manger, the feeding trough for the animals. And that night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. These shepherds would have been part of the same power struggle. They would have been just quietly going about their work. Their work in the field, keeping watch over the sheep, making sure they didn't go into somebody else's place and take something that didn't belong to theirs. They're just guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly, an angel of the Lord appears, appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. They were fearful for their lives because of what was happening. They were already on the edge of their seats because of the struggles around them in their world. And then in that moment, an angel appears, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, the one we've all been waiting for, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. See, in this world that they were in where there was a power struggle going on all around them, Jesus picked the most basic of places, the least assuming, the least powerful. He was born somewhere that the people, every person, even the shepherds, could come find him. And see him that night. And he was born with such a distinction, wrapped in those snugly cloths and laid in a manger, that he was set apart and different. What we learn in this Christmas story and what we learn from Jesus in these two commandments is that love wins. God sent Jesus to earth to save the world, not to judge the world, but to save us. And in the end, love wins. When we choose to love one another, love wins. But even when we don't choose love or someone doesn't choose love to us, love still wins. And so as we close in our time of worship tonight with a a familiar song, talking about this silent night, Know that it may have been silent there at the manger, but the most important thing was that Jesus was coming to change the world. Not just change the world, but to save the world, to flip it upside down. 
If you feel like your world has been flipped upside down at some point and you can't imagine where God could possibly fit into that, I just ask you to find a quiet moment in the next few days to think about this story of how Jesus was born in the most unlikely of ways. They had been anticipating a savior for centuries, but he didn't come like anybody else anticipated. He came in the most lowly of ways, in the most simple of ways. No power. He didn't come in a palace. He didn't have a crown on. He just came to change the world. Because of this gift, the first Christmas, love wins. God, you are an orchestrator of things that are beyond anything that we could comprehend or come up with in our minds. And we thank you that we can be in this place tonight with friends, with family, where people are willing to look out for us, to walk with us, to love us. God, if there is a relationship that has been strained, God, we ask you that your love will show up in a powerful way this Christmas. And God, as families are gathered and as friends sit around the table together, we ask you to remind us all of the story of your son and the fact that from that first Christmas, we know how love wins.